Thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. So what is true? I think about this from time to time. I always think of that place in the Passion in the last week of Jesus' life where he is before Pilate and Pilate looks at him and scoffs and Jesus is sharing the reality of who he is and how they ended up where he is in front of Pilate. And Pilate turns and scoffs at him and says, what is truth? It's certainly something we know in our world this day, and we find it in the strangest of places. I was at the happiest place on earth, at least for me, the other day, and no, it was not Disney, though that would have been awesome. Though yesterday, it kind of felt like we were at Disney. It was kind of warm, you know? It was good, and no, I was at the happiest place on earth for me. I was at the Apple store, and I was uh, there just looking around the other day, and I was listening to an exasperated customer sharing their grief and frustration. It was a young woman, and she was sharing with the poor tech, and I I know this tech a little bit. I've worked with him with stuff for my family and stuff for the church. Uh, I'm the one that always gets sent to the Apple store. In the words of Star Wars, it's send the droid, and that's me. I get sent to the Apple store. This is broken. Take this and do something. If it's not me, it's Roger. One of us gets sent. It's just the way it goes in the life of our church, okay? So I was just in there the other day just looking around. I, I was there for no particular reason, honestly, which doesn't happen very often. It was kind of fun. I just... Looked around, I didn't even buy anything. It was truly a miraculous occasion. Uh, and this girl's explaining this, and she's so upset, and she's gesticulating and waving her arms, and I'm watching her. And she looks at the tech, who at this point, you can tell, just feels really bad. Because he's, he's figured out what's happened. She said, but I put the phone in a bag of rice. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you do. It's on the internet. And he said, well, that may or may not help, but what you don't do with the phone in the bag of rice is place it in the microwave even for a moment. As someone who used to work in the wireless industry when I was in seminary, I just cringed when I heard it. Oh, no. And she looked at him and said, well, the video said, only do it for a second. So that's what I did. Just a couple seconds because it was really wet. And the tech looked at her and he said, well, did you see any sparks or anything? It's metal, you know. And she just stared at him. It's funny how that works. We struggle at times to really know what's real or what's not. I think in our world today, that reality, when we ask the question, what is true, has been amplified. It's been exponentially multiplied by the amounts of information at our fingertips. You can find anything you want to say what you want it to say, both in terms of experience, of information, of data. I think we'd all agree it's hard to know, really, it's hard to discern from a factual perspective at times, what's true? You can go out on the internet and find something that will say whatever you want. So how do we as Christians discern what's true? With just a few taps and a few swipes, we can hear whatever we want. How do we know? 
It's like the old story, you've probably heard it. A CEO has to hire someone to help guide him. He's looking for an advisor at his company, so he brings in three candidates, a mathematician, an elementary school teacher, and an accountant. And he's asked them all kinds of questions, and he's kind of rubbing his head, and he's not sure what to do. So he says, all right, we're going to make this simple. What's two plus two? Well, he turns to the mathematician. He says, well, I don't know. There's a lot of integers. There's a lot of things to consider. I'm not sure that I can just answer that without some more information. I'm going to have to draw this out longhand and give you some opportunity to understand my analysis. He turns to the elementary school teacher, and she says to him, well, that's easy. Two plus two is four. Everyone knows that. That's something I teach kids when they're this big. So the accountant, seeing the first two answers, walks across the room, and he slowly pulls down the blind, and he walks over to the CEO and leans in and whispers in his ear, what would you like it to be? And that's really what we experience in our world today, isn't it? We get information that fits what we want it to be, and we kind of like it if we're honest. We kind of like it. I wonder in that story, who did the CEO hire? We like having it that way, getting the answer that we want based on our experiences, our needs, our perspectives, what we know. But the reality is, the more of that that flies around, the more confused we often feel. It just kind of turns into noise. We feel lost. We even feel stressed out and frustrated sometimes. Can we ever, as human beings, really know the truth? That capital T, objective, always true truth. Let's open up to John 8, 31 through 47. And learn about what it means to know truth. What it it means that we would serve and follow God to receive and to live into truth. Now, one thing I want to tell you this morning as we go into this is we believe in truth. We believe that there is truth. That there's the infallible, inerrant, and inspired Word of God. That's what we believe at this church. We believe that the 66 books of Scripture tell us about Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to learn about today. That Jesus Christ is truth. He is the logos, the very understanding of God. John's gospel talks about this, that we experience and know the fullness, the real personal relationship of God we have through Jesus. And Jesus is what God's word prepares us for. The gospel, the good news is who Jesus Christ is. And all this scripture from beginning to end is to tell us about Jesus Christ and that in him we can see what is true. So if you'd like to follow along with me in your Bibles, we're going to look at this idea of what's true. John 8, 31 through 47. We're going to take a look at that. That's on page 950 in the Bibles in your seat backs. You can look it up on your phone, whatever you want. I encourage you to bring your own Bible if you want so you can get used to using it. If you need a Bible, take one of these with you. If you have a friend that needs a Bible, take one of these and give it to them. That's what they're here for. But let's look at John chapter 8, verses 31 through 47. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. 
A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. But you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father so that you do what you have heard from your father. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual morality, they said. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, because I came from God, and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. Wow. Think about that. Think about that for a minute. The reality is this is tough stuff, and we all struggle and that struggle is nothing new. We struggle to know and to receive the truth. It's the default state of humanity. It's just who we are. It's what we understand. It leads us to all of our misunderstandings, overreactions, aggressive assertions, memes, and all other forms of evil in the cosmos. It's a joke, people. Memes are, I don't care if you put a cat on it or not. It depends on what it says. It can be kind of rough. We do that, though. We say some rough stuff. I would just say Facebook is an answer to this question, which is mainly reposted cat videos and angst and anger and all kinds of things, pure evil on display because cats are evil and so is angst. But the reality, okay, maybe not. Cat people, calm down, calm down. Okay. God's people have always struggled since the fall of creation with this reality. I think there's a tendency among Christians that we think we've invented this stuff recently Now, we certainly have modernized it, mechanized it, sped it up, and made it a little more efficient. But this default state of confusion, chaos, and truthlessness is part of that sin nature inside of us. There's a story back in Judges chapter 17 about this guy Micah. Not the Micah that's a prophet, just his name. This guy Micah, he steals a bunch of silver from his mom. He steals a bunch of silver from his mom and he makes an idol out of it. And he sets up, it's a weird story, it's a strange story. And he sets up this idol in his household and his mom curses him and then he goes to his mom and says, no mom, I took this money so I can make an idol. And she says, oh, okay, well God bless you while you make your idol. And if you read this story, you're, if you want to read it this week, you'll sit there and say, say what? 
What? She's like, may God bless you. It's so great that you're doing that. And he makes up this idol and he sets up kind of his own religion in his house and his own way of doing it. It's all about what he likes and what he wants. And it's what we would call in our modern world, it's tailored to his needs. And so he does this and he sets this up and you read this strange story all the way back in the book of Judges. And there's a phrase in the end of that. There's a phrase in that passage that we all know from the book of Judges. And you see it here in Judges 17, 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever seemed right to him or what's right in his or her own eyes, his own perception, her own perception, their own understanding. It's a strange reality. Not any different than the one we know today. I remember first studying this in eighth grade, this passage, and thinking how strange it was. There was no measure, no standard, no real way that I could discern what was real and what was not, what was true and what was not. Basically, as long as it's true for you and you sincerely believe it and accept it and you accept everything else, that's wonderful. And as long as you're living your best life now, I'm happy for you if that's true for you. What this means for us today is the same as it meant in that world then. There's no truth for many people. But as a servant of Jesus Christ, how do we discern what it means to be true? We just read in God's Word that it's a declaration. You will know the truth. It will set you free. It starts, I think, for us by knowing who we are as sinners living in this world, the same world of judges, a post-truth world. Dr. Steve Brown, one of my favorite authors, writes about this, and he says, agenda has become more important to us than the truth. I think there's a lot in that statement. That's certainly what we see in the book of Judges. It's often what we see in our world today, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not. If you look at how polarized things are, there is a philosophical crisis in our world, a political crisis, a sociological crisis. There is no king in Israel, or at least so it seems. Everyone does what they think is right. So let's dig into John 8 and see what we can do with this agenda-driven world where, we, where what we want seems to matter more than what may be true. Often I don't think we realize how much we do this as well. Now, this is a passage where Jesus is going after the religious types in his world. And this may be, you know, the Jewish folks in his world, if he came into our world today, he'd be going after the Presbyterians. We'd be the ones in the crosshairs. Where Jesus comes in and he looks at me and says, hey, I got something to talk to you guys about. And the religious leaders in his day, they are going after him here. They are making fun of him. They're questioning his own heritage. They're calling him an illegitimate child. I mean, look at what they're saying. If you have your bulletin there, even just look at what they say about Jesus in this passage. They certainly have an agenda. They have an agenda. This is particularly something we think about in our world today with what's happening, this idea of agenda. Have you ever thought about your own life that you have an agenda? Much like how a politician may have people that they owe for where they've gotten in life, that the things you've experienced, the things that you know, they sway you, they direct you a certain way. And there's good in that for sure. 
But how do you know if that's the right way? The religious types that Jesus dealt with, they're saying these nasty things about him. And on the other hand, they're telling Jesus how they are the truest, the freest, the most together, the most understanding people on the planet. Just ask them. Right? And to the Jewish people, Jesus reaches a right where they are. They have been enslaved in Egypt, and they say, we're not anyone's slave. God has rescued us. How dare you, Jesus, tell us who we are. We define ourselves. We're altogether better people. Does that sound familiar to anyone? And Jesus isn't even, isn't even questioning their freedom. He's not even talking about that. They were a people set apart for freedom. They were a people called that God gave a destiny, a hope, and a future to them. God had given them the opportunity to be free and to serve and to love. They had all these opportunities to serve Him. And yet Jesus is trying to get them to see that all they're really doing is serving themselves. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It's the default human nature. It's clear that the religious folks in Jesus' day had an agenda just like us. We all have an agenda. And when we stick our foot in our mouths because of anything in life, our agenda comes tumbling out. When we look at other people and think no one can see that look on our face, when something is posted on the internet and we think we have to find the perfect way to respond to it, that quote or that comeback, because Getting our point across is just a click or a breath away. We need to win the arguments. I did this just recently because I'm a human being too. Dumb one at that sometimes. It's just the way we are. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you feel like you haven't. Either way, what would you say if you had an honest moment of introspection, your agenda is. Does it begin and end in you being right? I think sometimes that's my problem. My agenda is far more about me being right than me stopping and taking a deep breath and finding out what Jesus proclaims in his word, what he shows to be true. Everyone did what seemed right to them in their own eyes. John 8, 36. We've already talked about, we'll know the truth, the truth will set us free. That's a reality. If we do that, we will be free. John 8, 36 reminds us, if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. It's declared. How's that work? Jesus knows his people. He's reaching out to the people that should understand this, the religious people like us. And he tells them the route to being free is to know the word of God declared. That's both Jesus Christ, the person, and God's word, the Logos, the word. And if we would just know Jesus, really know him, if we would just know his word, we would know truth. All truth comes from God. There is no truth that does not come from God. Christians don't need to get caught up in this debate, whether it's two plus two, like we joked about earlier, 
or whether it's some deep philosophical reality or whether it's just that life is painful and unfair and we don't know what to do or whatever reality, whatever truth is, when we experience it, all real truth will line up with God's word and make sense because God is truth. So in your own life, in your own mind, and in your own understanding, what does it mean to know truth? When I want to win an argument, I find that I'm actually enslaving myself by the need to have the answer and to win the day. When I stop trying to be right and start trying to listen and seek to know Jesus, I find that I quit worrying about what to say. And I start listening to what other people are saying to me. And then Jesus has his way in me. The freedom of the gospel means that as I seek to know Jesus, I find something far beyond having to be right. I find in Jesus that I have freedom to listen and to love and to know other people, even in the midst of their sin. And yes, I need to know God's word. There's no question that this passage is saying everything God's word is about. Jesus is saying, I'm here to be that for you. And I'm not here to say that any of that isn't true. But in me, Jesus is saying, in knowing me, you will find truth. In seeking me, you will find peace. You will find strength. And you will truly and completely be free. Truth brings freedom and healing and belonging. And it draws us towards God. And if we're drawn towards God... As we get to know other people, they'll be drawn towards God as well. It's funny, as Christians try to figure out what to do in our world today, when they figure out how to connect with the world around us, I hear a few things. Some Christians say, well, i got to argue this point because we're losing the culture war. Other Christians will stand over here and say, I'd love to talk to somebody, but I have no idea what to say. I don't even know the Bible very well. The great thing is the answer is the same. We used to in the church, in the modern world where we had truth, you'd have to argue with somebody, you'd have to start with them, and you'd say, all right, let's agree on what we believe is true and what's false. You can't even have that discussion anymore because people will say, I don't even think there is a truth, right? I, I saw it on the internet. It must be true. We see this as the problem. In reality, I believe God has reset the world and lots of smart thinkers in the Church of Jesus Christ, like Robert Weber and other, other people that you've never read and don't need to, that are talking about how to reach the world around us, are telling us the world today is actually much more like the world Jesus was in a world of multiple cultures and multiple perspectives and multiple ideas. It moves a little faster. It's a little crazier. But here's the reality. We don't have to put the argument to get on the same page ahead of the story. It used to be we had to have the argument and then we could maybe decide if we want to tell each other our stories. You know what I mean? Now, you don't do that. Here's what you do. 
You seek after Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that means you do get into his word. I was talking to a couple of you before the service. Grab one of the health checkbooks. If you are somebody that uses your phone or a tablet or something, get the Ligonier Ministries app. It's a little green one that has a leaf on it. Download version Y-O-U. Get in a reading plan. You can set alarms for the darn thing to remind you. Get a friend. You can connect to a friend through those. Read through God's word. Study it. Get involved in one of our discipleship groups. That's what they're here for. God's word is truth, and it tells us about Jesus Christ, the truth, the reality of God made flesh, the Logos, the word of God come to us, drawn to Jesus, and let him envelop your story. If his spirit, if his life, if he gets a hold of you, you're going to know the truth, and you're going to have that freedom to know that you're forgiven, that you belong to him, and then you don't have to go up and have an argument with somebody. You can just start with a simple thing. What is your story. See, that's the difference in our world today, where people have all these different ideas. Someone will listen to your story. You can find somebody with purple spiked hair on the street, and they'll talk to you. You say, I'm an old person. They won't talk to me. Sure they will. Just go up and say, hey, I like your hair. Lie to them. It's fine. (laughs) I can just go up and say, what's it like to have hair? If I had hair, I would gel it just like yours. Whatever. Just go up and Ask them their story. If you have that security of knowing that God loves you, if you're drawn into him and you know he's with you, you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to have him. Listen to their story. Even if they're telling you things that you know are not in God's word, there are room for those people to come here and to be loved in this place. It doesn't mean we're going to change what God's word teaches. God's word never changes. We're not going to do that. But God's word tells us we're supposed to love them because if we share that with them and they share with us, God's Holy Spirit will guide us and transform them and that truth can set them free. What is your story? And is your agenda about Jesus? Is it? See, there is the opposite of truth. There's what I would call the anti-truth. It's out there. Jesus reminds those people in his word who don't draw into him. Who don't draw into him. Those who don't fall down in front of him and say, God, I don't even know what to say. Help me. He says to those who should know all the answers, your father is not my father. He's the devil. That hurts, doesn't it, church folks? He's a murderer, he's a liar, Jesus says. The devil's the father of all lies. He says, you are of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. That's that sin nature. Jesus says, no, draw into me. That's not your agenda. You see, Satan doesn't run around in some tacky red costume that he he bought at the Halloween store that'll probably go in where Macy's is right now or, or whatever. What's that called? Spirit Halloween or whatever that is? Or he, you know, he didn't go to Hot Topic and buy a sequined red pointy tail. That's not. But he's on the internet when you click on something you shouldn't. He's on your phone or your web browser when you post something that hurts somebody. When you look at somebody with that eye of judgment, when you chew them up, it doesn't mean there's not a right and wrong. That's not what we're talking about. 
But is your agenda to introduce people to Jesus? Or is it about you? Just as Jesus is truth, Satan is untruth, and he'll lie and tell you that as long as you listen to him, as long as you have it your way, it's all going to be better. Friends, in the end, what we need to do is share stories that talk about the truth, the ultimate truth. And the only way we're going to find that is, re- is abiding in Jesus Christ, belonging to him, that we would know. He says later in John, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to be a servant of Jesus this year, if that's what you're all about, we have to understand what it means that we would belong to him. If you don't know where to start, if you don't know that you could ever know what's true or what's false, that's exactly where Jesus wants you to start because he says, come to me. You will know the truth. I will show it to you. I will reveal it to you by spiritual power, by authority, by the Holy Spirit. You'll know that truth and you will have freedom from your sins and from your need to have it all right and to have it all make sense and to have it all be about you and your agenda. Being a servant means that your agenda is that not of yourself, but of the one you serve. That's where we start out as Christ's servants as a church, and that's where we start out as we come to our Lord's table this day. This table has no agenda. It's the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's open to all those who confess Him as Savior and Lord and who rely upon Him and Him alone for their salvation. It's not the table of one congregation or of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. But if you belong to Jesus Christ and you wish to serve Him and to lay your life down and to belong to Him as His servant, this table is for you. But we don't want to come to this table in a manner that's unworthy, being aware that we do have sin, we do have agendas, we do have ideas, we want to pause and confess our sin before him. Will you join me with the prayer of confession up on the screen? Lord Jesus, it's so easy for us to see others' sins as more ugly, more numerous than our own, especially when their sins are different than ours or when their sins are public and ours are private. It is so easy for us to rationalize our detachment from those around us who need our help who need our time, who need our friendship. Forgive us, change us, draw us in and rekindle our faith, nourish our souls and transform our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit, enable us to forgive others as you have forgiven us and to love others as you have loved us. Father, hear our confession as we give our hearts, our lives, and our whole selves. Hear our prayer as we pray the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.